For one moment my heart stood still, and I felt as if there was nothing left for me but to die. But it was only for that one moment, for I knew even before he had done speaking, that no words of him could harm either my poor little erring Katrine or myself. And then, having said so as gently as I could, I formally forgave him, in her name and mine, and went away. That night, Ulrich Finazza shot up his house and disappeared. No one knew whither. When I questioned the old woman who lived with him as servant, she said that he had paid and dismissed her a little before dusk, that she then thought he was looking very ill, and that she had observed how, instead of being as usual hard at work all day in the workshop, he had fetched his gun out of the kitchen at about two o'clock and carried it up to his bedroom, where she believed he had spent nearly all the afternoon cleaning it. This was all she had to tell, but it was more than enough to add to the burden of my terrors. Oh, the weary, weary time that followed, the long, sad, solitary days, the days that became weeks, the weeks that became months, the autumn that chilled and paled as it wore on towards winter, the changing wood, the withering leaves, the snow that whitened daily on the great peaks round about. Thus September and October passed away, and the last of the harvest was gathered in, and November came with bitter winds and rain, and save a few hurried lines from Katrine, posted in Perugia, I knew nothing of the fate of all whom I had loved and lost. She wrote, We were married in Venice, and Alois talks of spending the winter in Rome. I should be perfectly happy if I knew that you and Ulrich had forgiven us. This was all. She gave me no address, but I wrote to her at the post-restante Perugia, and again to the post-restante Rome, both of which letters, I presume, lay unclaimed till destroyed by the authorities, for she never replied to either. And now the winter came on in earnest, as winter always comes on in our high valleys, and Christmas time drew round again, and on the eve of St. Thomas, Ulrich Finazza returned to his house as suddenly and silently as he had left it. Next door neighbors as we were, we should not have known of his return, but for the trampled snow upon the path and the smoke going up from the workshop chimney. No other sign of life or occupation was to be seen. The shutters remained unopened. The doors, both front and back, remained fast locked. If any neighbor knocked, he was left to knock unanswered. Even the old woman who used to be his servant was turned away by a stern voice from within, bidding her be gone and leave him at peace. That he was at work was certain, for we could hear him in the workshop by night as well as by day but he could work there as in a tomb, for the room was lighted by a window in the roof. Thus St. Thomas's day and the next day, which was the fourth Sunday in Advent, went by, and still he who had ever been so constant at Mass showed no sign of coming out amongst us. On Monday, our good curé walked down, all through the fresh snow, for there had been a heavy fall in the night, on purpose to ask if we were sure that Ulrich was really in his house. If we had yet seen him, and if we knew what he did for food, being shut in there quite alone. But to these questions we could give no satisfactory reply. 
That day, when we had dined, I put some bread and meat in a basket and left it at his door. But it lay there untouched all through the day and night, and in the morning I fetched it back again, with the food still in it. This was the fourth day since his return. It was very dreadful. I cannot tell you how dreadful. To know that he was so near, yet never even to see his shadow on a blind. As the day wore on, my suspense became intolerable. Tonight, I told myself, would be Christmas Eve. Tomorrow, Christmas Day. Was it possible that his heart would not soften? If he remembered our happy Christmas of only last year, when he and Katrine were not yet betrothed, how he supped with us, and how we all roasted nuts upon the hearth and sang part songs after supper. Then again it seemed incredible that he should not go to church on Christmas Day. Thus the day went by, and the evening dusk came on, and a village choir came round, singing carols from house to house, and still he made no sign. Now what with the suspense of knowing him to be so near, and the thought of my little Catherine far away in Rome, and the remembrance of how he, he whom I had honoured and admired above all in the world my whole life long, had called down curses on us both the very last time that he and I stood face to face. But with all this, I say, and what with the season and its association, I had such a great restlessness and anguish upon me that I sat up trying to read my Bible long after Mother had gone to bed. But my thoughts wandered continually from the text, and at last the restlessness so gained upon me that I could sit still no longer, and so got up and walked about the room.